You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Strong Towns Podcast. Today, we have on the podcast guests Chris and Melissa Bruntlett from Vancouver, Canada. In the summer of 2010, Chris and Melissa, along with their two young children, made the conscious decision to sell the family car, embarking on a new and enlightening adventure. As they began to share their story of biking, walking, and using transit for their daily lives with others, they gained considerable media attention and have been featured in several films, articles, and more. They also started Medacity, a multi-service communications and marketing firm focused on inspiring healthier, happier, simpler forms of urban mobility through words, photography, and film. Chris and Melissa, we're so pleased to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thanks. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Excellent. Well, I was wondering if you could start by just telling me a bit about your life in Vancouver and how did you guys end up there? Um, well... It was a decision that we made uh, just after, well, about six months after our first child was born, we had come to visit for a conference and Vancouver had always been sort of in the back of our mind as a place we might end up. We were living in Southern Ontario at the time and spending a week here, we kind of knew this was where we needed to end up um, being amongst the mountains and the ocean um, and coming from the flat areas of Southern Van- uh, Southern Ontario. It was sort of where we wanted to be. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think that that connection to nature in an urban environment can be understated. Um, we both went to university in downtown Toronto and, uh, after four years, um, the, the, the asphalt and the concrete and the lack of green space really got to us and we wanted to get the heck out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we kind of spent the next few years looking for that perfect combination of, um, of, of nature and of, uh, a walkable, kind of multimodal city and, and Vancouver really fit that bill in our minds and, and things kind of fell into place that, that we ended up out here. Yeah. So what was the moment when you guys decided, or maybe it was a collection of moments that led you to decide to give up the car and um, use other modes of transportation for your daily lives? Yeah, it, it wasn't a particular moment. It was a series of decisions that we made. Um, when I first moved to Vancouver, I was doing kind of a 45 minute to an hour long car commute, um, oh, wow. really grinding. And, and I made it work for that period of time through carpooling and, um, and, uh, <clears throat> uh telecommuting. Um, but Melissa was living and working in the city. And, uh, um, after two years, I kind of said, okay, that's enough. I got to get a job closer to home. And, mm-hmm. and then a series of decisions from there, kind of, you know, getting the kids into schools closer to our, our home. Um, choosing a community that had everything we needed within a 15 minute walk, um, just led to our car collecting dust in the, in the parking garage, um, because we had everything at our doorstep. And then when we needed to get outside of our neighborhood, we had transit options like bus, train and car share. So it was also, I guess it sounds like it played into your decision that you like moved the parts of your life towards your home. I know some people decide to like move their home closer to their work, but you guys did the opposite. I, I like that. Yeah. We kind of lucked out. We were living, um, 
a little bit further away from the downtown core when we first moved here and we lucked out and got into a cooperative uh, building. So we, we now live in a housing co-op and it's steps away from one of the major transit hubs here. So it's sort of, everything sort of aligned um, and it just sort of made sense, you know, save the money on the car. Uh, we, mm-hmm. have, we have ample car share here. So when we need a car, it's there. And uh, yeah, I think at first it was a bit daunting and now I can't imagine going back to car ownership. Yeah. It saves so much money. Um, what does an average day look like for your family? How do you, how do each of you get where you need to go? Um, the average day usually starts uh, with the kids getting to school and we've been lucky enough that the school they got into is about a 10 minute walk from our house um, at the slowest pace. So the kids, kids and us usually walk to school and then from there, um, we usually will take off by bike or if it's raining, um, as it does here, <laughs> we'll mm-hmm. uh, hop on the sky train. Um, but yeah, it usually involves cycling around the city, going to and from meetings, um, or just walking around our neighborhood. Um, it's, it, you know, there's so many cafes and whatnot all within you know, 10 minute walking distance from where we live. So we'll often schedule meetings and, and just take a nice walk in the sunshine to go and, and meet up with people. You know, it really is horses for courses. Like we just chose, choose the mode of transportation that happens to fit whatever we're doing that day and what we happen to carry and what the weather's like and how far we're going, whether it's on a bike route or a train route. Um, th- those are all factors that we, we place into the, the mode of transport that we take. And, and sometimes it's multimodal. Um, but we're, mm-hmm. we, we kind of stress we, we're lucky to live in a place that affords us those options. I saw some pictures of you guys, and we'll share this on our website as well, um, doing your grocery shopping with a bike. Um, was that like a specially designed bike for you guys um, with the kind of like bucket area to put all your stuff in? That, that was really impressive to me. Uh, that bike actually came from a friend of ours in Montreal who owns a bike shop there and brings in, he's the distributor for this brand called Trio Bike. And so he rode that bike across Canada and then Whoa. left it with us. And so we inherited, um, it's like the Bach Fiat style from, it's made in Denmark. And so we've inherited that, got the box built into it, and it's just become our family station wagon. So it's made grocery shopping so much easier. <laughs> uh, it used to be a lot of panniers and or taking a car share, depending on how big the shop was. And now we can fit easily a $200 Costco run into that box. So it's, uh, made life a little easier and, and it's more enjoyable to go grocery shopping because we get to ride along the water most times. So, Oh, that's, that's really cool. Yeah, definitely. I also don't have a car and I find that grocery shopping is one of the biggest challenges for me. It's like, okay, do I carry all my bags on the bus? Do I just walk? Do I try to get a ride from a friend? So that bike is uh, pretty fantastic. And we're um, seeing, we're seeing more and more of them on the streets of Vancouver. That's really one of the cool things about um, the way the city's investing in bike infrastructure is it's encouraging people to regular families to look into these options that are um, really kind of much more make the day, the trip much more enjoyable and, and makes living in a city far more affordable as well when you don't have to do the gas insurance and all those, uh, those extra expenses. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I know that I've seen you guys talk about before is that having a lifestyle without a car enables you to spend more time with your family, um, whether that is like during your commute or 
Um, it just means that you're spending less time driving between places. Um, can you talk about that a little bit and what that has looked like for your family? Yeah, I think this is little trips that little trips that we take are often taken for granted, you know, when you're in a car and you're worried about traffic and, um, you know, not injuring other people while you're in the car, you know, being safe, you forget, Mm -hmm. you know, that you're there with other humans. And when we're riding around with the kids, um, we have the most profound conversations with them, even if it's only for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever. Our son likes to talk about space and his place in the universe, which is always interesting. And those are the things that we, I think we took for granted before when we were getting around by car or when Chris was commuting, you know, for an hour and a half each way every day, that was three hours that I was alone with the children and he didn't have the benefit of um, having those interactions with the kids. And so, you know, whether it's the conversations we have in transit or the fact that at the most our commutes now are about 30 minutes, mm-hmm. um, you know, it really allows for more time together. And uh, I mean, now we you know, we work together, so we're, we're around each other all the time, but even, you know, getting the kids to and from places we've, we've managed through a series of events to make things closer and more compact and, and really place more emphasis on the quality of the time we spend together. Um, yeah. And we didn't expect biking to do that and have that effect, but it's been a nice sort of, um, um, the word has escaped me after effect really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, and it's not just quality time with the kids. It's also quality time with our city. So I think our kids know the streets of Vancouver kind of like the backs of their hands, which has been fun to watch them. They know all the landmarks. They know all the neighborhoods. They know all the routes. Um, they really have this intimacy with, uh, with their city that they, they probably wouldn't have if we were shuttling them around in, in car seats. And, uh, yeah, it's been a, another kind of, discovery that we wouldn't have made, uh, unless we took that leap, uh, five or six years ago. Right. Yeah. When you're a kid sitting in the back of the car, you just like zone out, you have no idea what's going on outside. Um, are your kids old enough that they are biking and walking places by themselves? Uh, not biking yet, but they have started walking to school actually just recently. Um, so our daughter is in grade four and our son's in grade one and uh, there's basically one major crossing they have to take, um, mm-hmm. and otherwise they're off street. So yeah, they've started making that. We're not quite ready for the cycling leap only because I don't think that they would get along for the entire trip. So oh, yeah. <laughs> walking at least there's only one thing they need to think about and that's getting where they need to go. Whereas cycling is, you know, a couple other things they got to keep in mind as they're moving. We've prepared them for that eventual time when they will be riding around the city by themselves because, um, you know, we, we riding next to us, they know where to look when they enter an intersection. They know how to ride proper appropriately on the street. They know where to look for, for cars when they're riding. And, um, it certainly eases our comfort level when we know we've got to kind of cut the cord and let them go that we've, we've trained them, um, with the skills they need to, to cycle around the city on their own. I mean, it seems like it's probably something that they'll be able to do before they'd be able to get a driver's license, much less like have their own car to get around with. This is like a new level of autonomy that they can reach sooner than if they had to be driving everywhere. That freedom really is priceless. And I think Melissa and I grew up in, in the suburbs where we were counting down the days to get our driver's license because we had no other way of getting around. 
and we were really reliant on buses that never came or rides from parents. Um, so to live in a, in a, in a city where, you know, we can let our kids free to go where they want to go, um, by foot, bike, transit, or, um, <laughs> scooter or whatever, um, is really liberating for them, I think. Are there any other surprises or particular gains that you've noticed in your life since starting um, this new type of transportation? I think there's an aspect to the increased community. Um, I think when you're not getting around by bicycle, you don't really, or sorry, the other way around. I think inherently when you start getting around by bike, you start meeting a lot of other people that do the same and it's created this accidental large network of people that we've met simply because of the lifestyle that we have and the events that we'll go to, to be around other people that just want to go and have fun on bikes. And, um, I think that's, I don't think I expected to make a a lot of new friends that way. And the kids have made a lot of friends that way. And we just have this big support system that we know if we have an event coming up or we need help with a project, there's this, there are countless people that we could call on to, to come and help us, um, who are like-minded and kind of get what we're, where we're going. And, um, I think that that's only amplified by social media. So we have so many connections through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram that, um, Vancouver really feels like a village. And I, yesterday, Mm -hmm. just yesterday, I was cycling to a meeting that was, uh, 15 minutes from our house and I passed four or five friendly faces, people that I knew, um, along the route. So, um, that's that, wonderful. That sociability, that, uh, conviviality has been, um, quite the pleasant surprise and, and, um, it helps make you feel that you're not all alone in this. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest challenge for you guys of giving up your car? I think there's, it's funny because riding a bicycle, you've got lots of flexibility to get pretty much everywhere where sometimes a car can't take you. But on the flip side, getting out of the city, we have a little less flexibility with that. It takes more planning, you know, booking a car or a car share and really sort of planning out those kind of trips, um, I think is, I think that's the one thing I think I really miss. And that's the challenge. I mean, we used to love going camping or going on, going spur of the moment trips to another city on the weekend. And, and those mm-hmm. aren't quite as frequent. It doesn't mean they don't happen. It just, you know, we have to think about it a little bit more. Um, and then I think, I mean, because we live in a place where transit is so prevalent, we've never really had to sacrifice on, you know, getting around the city. We always have an option, even if it's freezing or pouring with rain, there's always some way to get around. It's convenient and pragmatic. Melissa, I noticed that you've done some writing and speaking on the specific challenges of being a woman on a bike. And I'm curious about those. Tell me, tell me about, yeah, your writing or your experience with that. I think inherently in the Pacific Northwest, it's, it's changing and I'm, I won't deny that it's not changing, but I think, you know, for a long time, most of the people that you were seeing out on a bike were like, like clad middle-aged men. And mm-hmm. that's fine. And that's wonderful for them. But you start to feel isolated as a, a woman. Just, I mean, I would just hop on my bike with whatever I was wearing and, you know, go from A to B and you really stand out. And on one way it's nice because people see you and it inspires them. But on the other way, you, on the other hand, you kind of feel a little bit alone. Like who else is out there that's doing the same thing? And 
you know, I have met a lot of women over the years that are, are doing the same thing, but we're not really coming together and celebrating that. And so that was really what inspired me to start writing about it more and speaking about it. Um, not just in the cycling world, but also just, um, the urban world in general and really trying to call to light the importance and the value of bringing, uh, female perspectives into planning or into, um, organizations and, and advocating because we do come at things from a different perspective, especially for myself as a mom, I'm not just thinking about what makes me comfortable, but also what will make my children comfortable. And I know that that perspective can also come from many fathers out there. Um, I just think that sometimes because the room is often filled with mainly men, there is that, that missed perspective that is growing, but is, it's still so important to have, um, because we do bring a bit more of an emotional perspective to it as opposed to analytic and very practical there. You have to consider the emotional because the emotional is what, so what, what's going to get the average woman or the average child really getting out there and using active means of tra transportation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It certainly seems like in the field that I work in, you know, engineers, planners, government leaders, um, even the organization Strong Towns that I work for is very male dominated. Um, and I definitely agree that we need more female perspectives. Just from my, what I've noticed in Vancouver, um, it's great because our cycling advocacy groups are usually very, um, the boards are predominantly women or 50-50 with women and men. And so there is that um, growing voice within the cycling community. And I think right now we're, we're seeing a bit of a shift, um, in things like urban planning and engineering, but it's a slower shift, <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see how cities change in the years to come as more women start getting into the field. Um, and young women too, because that's a lot of where the, the new talent is coming from is the younger people. So yeah. Yeah. I'm hopeful about that. How would you guys respond to somebody who said, um, your lifestyle seems really challenging and I could never do that. Um, I've certainly had people say that to me about not having a car. Um, yeah. How do you respond to that? Yeah, it, it's a tricky, tricky one. And, and we're certainly not, um, suggesting that everyone should ditch their car and, um, and, and live car free. Um, mm -hmm. I think uh, kind of like I was saying earlier, it was a series of decisions that we made to get to this point and, um, that enabled this, this lifestyle. But, um, if people are really interested in, in shifting them that direction, I think the very least they can do, um, is start looking at the multimodal picture and pushing their elected officials and their leaders, um, to give them more options. And that's, you know, protected bike lanes, that's wider sidewalks, that's, more frequent transit service, um, and, and not just kind of writing the, the private automobile, a blank check as, as we've historically done. Um, mm -hmm. but, um, <clears throat> aspiring to those, those multimodal goals, um, that I think all cities are capable of. And, um, if, if they really speak up and let their voice known, um, I, I think our leaders will won't have a choice but to but to offer those options. And I think, from a personal perspective, uh, if you had talked to us ten years ago, I don't think we would have known that we'd be where we are. And you know, it's all just about giving it a try and seeing what works. Um, you know, for us, 
we've gone through various iterations of how to get the kids around, what works best for us, you know, choosing activities that we realize after the fact are way too far away and we need to reconsider. And it's all just a learning process and, you know, going completely car free might not be realistic, but, you know, looking at those shorter trips, like going to the community center or going to the corner store or going to the park with the kids, um, you know, just little things like that. If you can start bringing some of those trips into more active means of getting there, then I think there's always this opportunity for learning and surprising ourselves at what we're capable of and also what children are capable of. What do you think is the biggest thing that cities could do to become more bike friendly and open? And I know there's a huge range, you know, some towns have like no bike infrastructure and hardly any awareness of that. And other towns have extensive protected bike lanes and trails and things. Um, what would you, what, what are some tips that you have for towns along that range of different bike accessibility? Well, I think, I mean, for those that can attain it, separated cycling infrastructure is the best way to go, but I realize that's not totally feasible in all cities. Um, but I think it's what Chris mentioned, you know, politicians recognizing steps that they can take and measures they can take to make it more bike friendly. So, you know, lowering speed limits, um, providing, you know, if it's not on street, then providing some off street means of getting to places they actually want to go. Uh, so not just mm-hmm. thinking of the commute to work, but also the commute to school or, or going to the shops or going to meet up with friends, taking those trips into account. Um, but I also think public engagement and just helping citizens understand what options are available to them and how easy they can be. Um, I think as, you know, as we, everyone has said, and, and Chris has mentioned, you know, we put so much focus on the private automobile and then some cities forget, you know, how to engage and encourage their citizens, uh, to really get out on bike. And I think if, if they can do that and, and sort of lead by example, even if they don't have, you know, the perfect infrastructure yet, um, build that desire and that interest in the general public, I think can go a long way. Yeah. I, I think the, the commute to work is one that we've obsessed over, um, for decades, uh, particularly here in Vancouver. And, um, only now are we seeing a shift towards enabling those other everyday trips that we take, um, which are actually shorter and, and more frequent. Um, but for a variety of reasons, I guess, um, maybe because the data, we have the most data around the trip to work. Um, uh, we, we focused on, on making those long, longer distance, uh, trips um work for bicycles and you know if people are going to take up bicycling as a lifestyle um or use it as a mode of transportation um it just has to be the easiest way that you get to the cafe the restaurant the theater um wherever you you're going on a given day and and not just you know from your home to your office um that complete picture i think is what a lot of cities are missing that's a really good point. I, I definitely agree. What and bike share bike share is kind of one of those tools that I think um, mm-hmm. every city should have just to enable those those spontaneous short trips and get more people thinking about just tapping a card, hopping on a bike, um, and, and rolling around. Uh, people who wouldn't otherwise identify themselves as a cyclist 
Um, it's just kind of a faster form of walking and it's, we've seen firsthand it's, it's really transformed cities for the better. Yeah. Bike share seems like a great way to get people who like don't even own a bike yet, but like just get them testing the waters and seeing if it can work for their life and probably finding out that it does work for them. Yeah. I, we often joke that, um, we don't cycle because we're, you know, super athletic and want to stay fit. We cycle because we're lazy and walking is harder. (laughs) (laughs) And I think bike share, you know, that ends up becoming the proof of that for a lot of people. It's like, man, that was so much easier because I didn't have to walk up that hill. I just biked it. (laughs) Yeah. What, what to you are the big benefits of biking? I know you've talked about time and, um, being able to be with your family more. Um, what about like the economic and health benefits? Have you guys felt those in your lives? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, in terms of the economic, I, I'm the one that does the budgeting for both the business and the home. And to know that I don't have to set aside $500, you know, for gas and insurance and maintenance of the car is, you know, that's money that goes elsewhere. And we have a lot more experiences because of it uh, in our city or with traveling. So um, the economic factor is huge. Not just for us, but our community, because we're now spending more money locally um, on, you know, things like cups of coffee and, and, and fresh produce that we maybe wouldn't be able to afford if we were, um, allocating a a portion of our budget to, to transportation. And then uh, definitely the health factor. Um, I mean, we're not, I I wouldn't consider myself like a super fit athletic person, but I know that I always feel better when I can get out, um, for a walk or on my bike. Um, and I think, Chris, you can speak a little more. Yeah. Yeah. So about a year ago, I, I gave up my day job and I now work from home. And the thing I miss most is that kind of 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the afternoon, just a really kind of brisk cardiovascular exercise that I would get. Um, and now that I'm not getting it, I, I feel, um, I'm not able to cram it into my schedule, um, the way I, it was forced before. And, um, I kind of feel, um, I don't know if I directly put on weight, but, uh, certainly things like, uh, I'm not burning the calories that I, that I used to burn and, and it weighs on me a little, a little heavier. So, um, you know, just the act of, of, of cycling for transportation can become your, your trip to the gym in, in lieu of, um, your daily workout and uh, you don't have to break a sweat. Um, you just, just getting on your bike is enough to, to get your heart pumping and, and to burn some calories. Tell me about your work at Modacity. What was your inspiration for starting the company? Yeah. Yeah. Um, up to, so kind of, where do we start? Kind of, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, living, working close to home and, and communicating the challenges and the benefits of that. Melissa and I were kind of doing our own separate things, um, writing, blogging, uh, doing photography and film. And um, one day we got an email from um, a colleague in Auckland, New Zealand, uh, who said, would you be interested in coming out to New Zealand? We're about to spend um, a large amount of money on, on bike infrastructure, and uh, we'd like to hear Vancouver's experiences um, in terms of building infrastructure and what the quantitative and qualitative benefits have been. 
And it was kind of that moment that we thought, hey, maybe we're onto something here <laughs> um, and, and crystallized that we should be combining our efforts. Um, and uh, so we went through a whole kind of naming process and, uh, and, and putting up a website and, and combining our social media accounts. And um, that was two years ago now. And, and uh, things have just kind of snowballed from there as um, cities have approached us in terms of um, help communicating um, the these, this idea of, of building a multimodal city and, um, and the inherent benefits that come from it. And I think the two, one of the things that we were always doing in our writing, but was kind of missing in terms of, um, work in, in communications and marketing is around cycling is there's so much focus on the data and the infrastructure, but very little on the human experience. And that was what we were bringing into when we, into the world when we created Modacity is really talking about the, that qualitative experience and, you know, what it's like to actually live in a place that, um, provides for getting around safely by bike or really any other urban mode. Um, yeah, it was, it, that's a lot of where our focus comes from is really trying to create that emotional human response and, um, make it relatable so that, you know, the work that cities are doing, which is all fantastic, translates to the average person and they see the benefits of um, all the work that's being done. What are some of the projects that you guys are most proud of that you've worked on? I think um, film, the, the films that we've created um, have been the most enjoyable and the most rewarding. Um, we, we really just started out kind of uh, making movies with friends um, about friends, <laughs> um, with and Melissa and I have no experience in filmmaking whatsoever. We, I studied architecture and, and she fashion. Um, but we, we put together a group of friends that wanted to learn a, an editor, a director of photography and a director and, um, just started telling stories. Uh, and, um, you know, we, we made these cycle chic films about Vancouverites who ride bicycles um, and, you know, kind of to our amazement, they found an audience and, and started winning awards and being accepted at film festivals. Um, and then that led to us working for the Arlington County Transportation Department, um, who saw the films and hired us to go out to Virginia last year and, and do some similar, um, portraits of, of Arlingtonians who ride bikes. Um, but just, yeah, that, that whole collaboration, that whole process, um, has been, has been really exciting and, and enjoyable. And we've got to meet some really interesting characters. Um, I mean, most people that we've, we've worked with in Vancouver, we have had previous relationships with, but going to Arlington, Virginia, we, I mean, the stories that we heard from people, the connections we made and how, you know, they just welcome you in and want to tell you about their lives that, you know, there's some funny stories that I don't need to get into, but, um, just, yeah, meeting so many different people. And again, it's that extension of your community and, um, being able to put that on film and tell these people's stories in a meaningful way, um, that for them, I mean, it's, they find it quite touching because it captures a moment in their lives. Um, for the family that we filmed, um, there's their youngest was born a week before we started filming, and they now have this like 
time capsule of what that what their lives were like at that moment. So it's fun. That also happened to include a cargo bike. But, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you guys bike when you had um, when your kids were younger? How did you manage that? Uh, we yes. I'm trying to think back now. It's been you know our eldest is nine, so we start to forget certain things. But we we got the trailer when our youngest or oldest was born, and did that a, a basically until for both of them until they were old enough to ride on their own. Um, I mean, it was an unfortunate series of events that led to our youngest starting to ride because our bike theft is a big problem here and our, we had two trailers stolen. So essentially we put to him when he was four and a half, almost five, you can either walk to your daycare or you can bike and mm. he hates walking. So biking <laughs> became the, the obvious choice. And, and now they, they get around predominantly on their own. Sometimes they'll be lazy and hop in the cargo bike, but. Uh, that makes more work for dad. I won't ride it when they're in the cargo bike. <laughs> yeah, especially when they're older. Yeah, it's over 120 pounds of child when they're <laughs> both in there. <laughs> so what projects are you guys working on currently or what's on the horizon for Audacity? Yeah, we we actually have a lot on the go at the moment. Um, we are um, working with Vancouver Bike Share right now. Um, they're in the process of launching. We'll be launching a bike share system in June. Um, so we've been doing some promotional work with them in terms of um, getting getting the word out and and doing some promotional photography and um, and the like. Um, we're actually working on a cargo bike championship, um, which is an event we decided to hold last year um, just to kind of get these bikes in front of an audience um, and, and have some races and have some fun. Um, and so this year we, we're trying to ramp it up a little bit with, with sponsors and, and prizes and, uh, and the like. Um, that sounds really cool. Yeah. Do they have to like pull things in their, uh, cargo bikes? Yeah. We usually have on hand. Well, last year what we did is you had to have a minimum of three things in your cargo bike that could be human or, or not, <laughs> or like inanimate or inanimate, um, and it was pretty, so we had like a empty beer keg. We had our old, um, fake Christmas tree. Uh, mm-hmm. what else did we have? People had skis, a bag of soccer balls, like all the things that you could imagine possibly carrying. Um, and it was, in, they came up with some inventive ways of getting those items <laughs> into the cargo bike. So, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, you know, there were prizes for the slowest prizes for the fastest. I missed out on being the mm-hmm. slowest by like 10 seconds. Someone was a little bit slower mm-hmm. than me. <laughs> but yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, but I think the the biggest thing we actually have going on this year, um, in the near future is we're actually taking the kids for a five week adventure in the Netherlands. So that's our biggest, well, for me, it's, I'm planning all the flights and the accommodations and everything. So it's been sort of like the biggest bit of planning, but I think it's something we're all really looking forward to, um, we haven't been yet, so we're obviously uh, looking forward to experiencing the cycling world that is the Netherlands, um, but our kids mm-hmm. are also pretty excited, I mean, not only to travel, but just to see, you know, what it is that we're trying to bring to Vancouver. <laughs> and that's that's a trip that's actually um, in part being financed by uh, Van City Buzz, which is a local publication that we write for. Um, so we'll be producing a, a series of illustrated articles and, and short films about each city that we visit and um, telling their stories of, of um, 
you know, transitioning into, into a bike friendly city. Cause a lot of these, these Dutch cities only really shifted their priorities towards cycling, um, in the seventies and eighties. And, and I think a lot of people don't understand how recent it was. And, and if mm-hmm. we prioritize and make, um, similar shifts, we could really transform our cities for the better, uh, within our children's lifetime. That sounds like an incredible trip. Are you guys bringing your bikes or renting them when you're there? Uh, we're going to rent them when we're there. We've we've heard that if your bike doesn't look like the typical black Dutch bike, you'll stand out. And we kind of don't want to stand out. So we'll okay. see what we find when we get there. And what's your, um, do you have like a route planned yet? Um, yeah, well, what we're doing is we're taking the train, the intercity trains in between each city. And then we're going to cycle around the cities themselves. Um, but we're visiting, of course, Amsterdam. We're also going to hit up Rotterdam, uh, Eindhoven, Utrecht, and Groningen, which is like the cycling capital of the world. So uh, okay. it'll be a lot of fun. A lot of new experiences. And where can we read about that when that's going on? Uh, we will be posting on our blog on the modacitylife.com blog page, just little snippets from the trip while we're there. And then once we're back uh, in the couple months that follow, we'll start releasing um, some longer articles through Van City Buzz, which is vancitybuzz.com. Yeah, we'll be yeah quite active on Twitter and, and Facebook and Instagram, um, all of which are linked from our website. Cool. And that is modacitylife.com, right? Yes. That's correct. All right. Well, we will put links up on our website to all of those things and include some of the wonderful photos that you guys have shared. Do you guys have anything else to add before we finish up today? I think the same message we always try to get out there for anyone, you know, if you're thinking about taking up a a cycling focused lifestyle is the simplest thing to do is just get a bike and get started. Um, preferably a comfortable bike, something that suits you, but that you, that you'll actually want to ride. But it's, it's just a matter of giving it a try. Um, we predominantly all learned how to ride a bike when we were a kid, and it is really as simple as riding a bike. So, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's the biggest thing, I think, in terms of, you know, trying it out. It's not as daunting. It seems daunting, but it's actually super easy and a lot of fun. Excellent. Well, Chris and Melissa, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. And I wish you best of luck on your travels and all your work with Modacity. Thanks so much. Thank Take you. care. Thanks, Rachel. We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org. They know that America's one big pothole right now. Bill, 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 Bill. That's the story. Chuck Marone, this has been fascinating. Oh, City! I like you. I like your vision of the of the world. The United Nations Earth Summit Agenda 21. Yeah.